Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Hello, WNYXicans. I'm Lauren, and I will be today's host. I'm here with the man of at least six or seven voices, Tom. Hello. Tom, hello. And post-it note comic book conceptualizer, Thaddeus. Hello. <laughs> and this episode, Led Zeppelin 2, is the third and final episode in our Dave and Lisa unit. And I'm going to kick it off with our Agent Zero pew pew plot synopsis. Led Zeppelin 2 was season 2, episode 21. It originally aired on Sunday, April 28, 1996. Joe is bothered by the building's new security cameras and attempts to sabotage them, resulting in a fire breaking out in the Criterion building. The threat of imminent danger causes Dave and Lisa to put aside their differences and rekindle their romantic relationship. Mr. James thinks Ruth might be the perfect wife candidate. He just needs to figure out what's wrong with her by deciphering his secret code. Now, we've chosen a few categories and games, and I, as host, will award ABSA points for the answers and arguments of each contestant. At the end of Part A, I will award one lucky contestant this episode's ABSA award for excellence in this podcast. So, let's get started. What scene would you show to a new person, someone who's never seen the show before? And Thaddeus, since you are our last host, you're going to go first. All right. Uh, the scene that I would show to a new person is going to be the opening scene. You know, it has to be the opening scene. Starts off with the, the pain and tension joke. Uh, we, we cycle through to the why is Dave dressed up? It's for Lisa. Lisa shows up. Uh, Bill is able to, to piece together you know, or at least throw out the idea that it's for somebody else. Uh, and again, the whole meeting just is just the best scene, I think, for anybody who hasn't seen it before. You're going to get a little bit of everybody and you get a little bit of the taste of the flow of the show. Nice. Excellent choice. All right, Tom, what do you got? Uh, mine would be beginning with uh, Dave and Jimmy uh, in, in Dave's office and going through all the way to Dave talking to Ruth and then Dave and Jimmy and then Bill in the bathroom. That could be taken as one kind of continuous scene. Um, yeah. Because the, the Dave and Jimmy stuff when they're in the office is great. Um, Dave's response to Ruth is excellent and then and then with it just really comes to crescendo when Bill walks in and talks about Ruth's press and and then is finds out who it is and just cannot complete a sentence <laughs> that was a great scene excellent performing all around okay uh now we're gonna go to second choices for each so Thad what's your second choice uh, so mine is actually right after uh, the opening credits when Lisa goes in to ask Dave if he has a lunch date. Uh, we get Dave doing all the prep <laughs> that he can do <laughs> with the combing of the hair and I did all the cologne, <laughs> slapping it on. He even goes for the banaca, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and he totally teases it out to the point of her asking like, okay, we can do lunch. Ah, I'm busy today. <laughs> um, so I think that exchange, it just again, watching Dave kind of build it up and play it up. You know, I just think that's super entertaining. That's something that somebody new would be really appreciate. That's a good choice too. All right, Tom, second choice for you. My second choice would be the uh, meeting at the conference table uh, with everybody after they've found out where Dave is explaining about the fire and Bill is giving the, who chooses life? You know, and that the slap from Catherine, all that, uh, that would definitely be my second. All right, all good choices. 
this is a very dense episode, so I feel like it's hard to, I mean, you could pick, you could have named any scene. They were all great. Um, but that round is going to go 10 points for Thad and eight points for Tom. Coming out hot. all right so we're gonna move on to the second question here what quote is most usable or you want to use in real life uh tom it's it's probably my favorite quote and i think i said this in the meet the host uh episode but it's dave to joe if what you're saying is true then i still don't (laughs) care <laughs> you did mention that it's, it's just, it's, yeah it's yeah it's the it's the sentiment and who he's saying it to and the delivery like the delivery like the slight <laughs> turn of the head when he's like i still don't care it's perfect. <laughs> oh man the build-up is, is just priceless <laughs> it's really good and i know you already kind of said it in meet the host but like how would you use that in real life um Basically, if anybody is droning on about something that I just don't want to hear, yeah, that's exactly pretty much any saying. situation ever. Any, basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is multi-purpose. <laughs> All right, Dad, what do you got? Um, so I, I have, I was like, if man, if I, if I get that category first, I might even have to let Tom have it because you already called it on the host. So I was already planning to move past that. Mine is going to be Bill's. The devil mixes his lies with truth, people. Let's go as he leads them out. Uh, that is one that I think I can drop in a lot of different situations. Anytime I don't like something that somebody is saying, I think that I can absolutely just look at people and be like, the devil mixes his lies with truth, people. And just, you know, hopefully derail that other person, whatever they're trying to talk about. So uh, especially anytime anybody offers a reasonable solution, you know, like, I think that's an opportune time to throw it out there. That's a great use of that use of that phrase. All right. Quote number two, Tom. Uh, another Dave one, but this one, this time it was uh, to Jimmy. If you could uh, just hold that thought for <laughs> ever, <laughs> which is always good if, if somebody's beginning to tell you something inappropriate or any kind of news that you don't want to hear. That, that's you know like like your parents want to tell you about their relationship or something like that like i know <laughs> very useful quote all right thaddeus yeah. what do you got uh all right so i'm gonna go with Catherine. you are the sly one <laughs> uh I, I i think i went more for practicality over actually humor with this one but whenever anybody has a good idea or anybody's you know encouraging you just kind of look at it like you are the sly one you know anybody puts together that plan so i really i really picked my line so i can go either way with the situation and anytime anybody's being reasonable i can either encourage them or i can shoot them down that's that's how i looked at my two lines this this week that is very yeah very useful that way now that you mention it i thought it was good on humor too just because there was absolutely nothing sly about it (laughs) that's that's right that's what makes it that's why it doesn't matter like oh we should go get gas first sly one (laughs) all right so that one i scored 10 for tom eight for thad which of course brings us to a tie (laughs) oh now it's getting serious 18 all around (laughs) okay next question what gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode and this one is to thad I'm going to go with Lisa being jealous over Dave possibly seeing someone else. You know, uh, it really drives the episode forward. And really, when she's hiding behind the door in his office, like, that's just, <laughs> and she just comes out talking, just comes out like, you know who it is? Um, that, that, to me, I think is the biggest impact on the overall episode. It's just, she keeps on pushing it forward, and Dave keeps on playing along. All right, and then it ultimately leads to them, obviously, you know, uh, let's say reconnecting at the end of the episode. <laughs> Good way to put it. Being compatible. Being compatible with no parts <laughs> left over. All right, Tom, what do you got? Uh, I have the the strange questions that are asked uh, about Ruth or to Ruth herself. Um, and, and, you know, that 
he has Beth ask about uh, whether she had married a wealthy person. Um, Catherine, <laughs> are those real? Um, and then asking Dave about, have you ever heard her talk about uh, taking up arms <laughs> against the government? <laughs> like that would have come up in the 10 seconds that they had known each other. <laughs> Although I guess nowadays, who knows? <laughs> yeah. You just don't know with people anymore. That's right. Wow. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, that was high on my list. Um, the way he sort of used the cast to <laughs> to get what he wanted. Um, so I scored that one 5-3 in favor of Tom. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to go on to... The coolest detail, or like we like to call it, the nice adequate touch of this episode. And Tom, you're up first. Uh, my my favorite detail that I caught was um, when Bill leads the like five guys to the stairwell. When when he's going in, and when they're coming back, the one closest to Bill is the same guy that is eating at his desk uh, on I believe it's the big day and spills the spaghetti all over his desk it's the same it's the same actor so i just thought that was a neat touch to bring back the same guy and have him have him be with bill apparently all is forgiven wow bonus points for observation there <laughs> i did not catch that <laughs> yeah that's all right <laughs> <laughs> that's okay i guess <laughs> all right thad what what do you got Okay, so mine is actually, uh, it's a little bit different. I think Jimmy dating a taller woman mm, is actually okay. something that I, I picked up on. Number one, I think when, when Joe and Jimmy walk in uh, before Matthew falls or as Matthew falls, uh, I kind of, I was like, wow, they're, they're like the same height. I was like, I, I thought Stephen Root was taller than Joe for sure, but it looks like the same height. And then when I saw Ruth, you know, a lot of times it seems like she's sitting <laughs> down or they're kind of arranged. So the height difference isn't really as, as emphasized. Uh, but like it's it's pretty clear in a couple scenes where they're standing right next to each other or talking to each other. So I thought that was a really interesting detail uh, of of him dating a taller woman, and that's my answer. All right, that's a good one. Yeah, I kind of noticed that too. I was surprised by the fact that Joe and Jimmy looked the exact same height in that scene. I was like, that struck me as odd. I just don't think of them as being the same height, but I don't know. I guess they are. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so for the adequate touch, that's going five points for Tom, four points for Thad. Your uh, observatory skills saved you there, Tom. It was almost a tie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the best episode, Enigma. Okay, so what questions did this episode raise for you? And Thaddeus, you're up first. Oof. All right, I'm going to go with the practical question. When when Dave is talking to Mr. James about Ruth, he leaves the office or you know, leaves his office, runs into Ruth and uh, and Catherine, then goes to the bathroom, and then moments later, Jimmy James rolls in to ask him about his list. So, Mr. James somehow uh. got from Dave's office to the bathroom past Ruth and Catherine. To have that discussion because I believe when she walks in, they're like, "Oh, he's looking. She's looking for Mr. James." You know, like she's right there. He'd have to literally blow by her to go to the doctor <laughs> as Dave for the code. So, like, that's my question: is like, how did he get there? Because it doesn't seem like he blows by her. Like, it, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. You don't think that Jimmy can afford like flash type technology? I was, I was like, does he have secret passages? Like, I wouldn't put it past him. I would not put it past him. That's very possible. <laughs> he's, he's Good question, though. Going to the vents above the office. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Season five. I like it. And I had a long list of questions, and that was not on my list. So that's a really good question. All right, Tom, what's your episode enigma? Okay. So Dave and Jimmy are talking in the office. Uh, Jimmy starts to say, she took my, and then doesn't get to complete the thought. So what was Jimmy going to then say to Dave? That's my enigma. What what is that? <laughs> what was it's that filth, detail? Tom. That's what it is. It's filth. <laughs> well, I mean, 
you know, we'll get it on HBO for the, the reunion. <laughs> now we need a Patreon. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Oh, both good questions. One a little <laughs> dirtier than the other. Um, I'm going to score that 6-4 in favor of Thad. Making a comeback. Making a comeback. <laughs> as long as Tom doesn't have any extra facts for these next two, I think I'm in good shape. <laughs> now we're moving on to the Bill I Stole Your Cane keepsake. And we're going to do two apiece on this. And Tom, you're up first. Uh, I think definitely my top pick is the candidate list with the uh, different notations on it. Um, that would be my obvious number one. I want to see those drawings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to see that grape bunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thad, what's your first one? Uh, it's actually be Dave's Banaka. <laughs> it's <laughs> like I wanted something from the routine. Obviously, I can't use a comb. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to spin the dice on whatever kind of cologne he was putting on. But that Banaka is both. It, it's you know both. It's the visual gag that you get from it. <laughs> the fact that he does it in your face. Uh, it, it's something that I, I would definitely crack up at. Like put it on the mantelpiece. Put it in a glass case. That's a good one. I like the reasoning too behind the comb and the yeah. You definitely don't want to take a chance on someone else's cologne. <laughs> <laughs> Banaka it is, <laughs> but again, Banaka was the, like the, he leans into her face. I think when he takes it, <laughs> <laughs> which then allows her to smack him, and he gets smack, it all over the yeah. side of his face. <laughs> Spends the rest of the scene wiping it off. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be realistic. If, if I ever have Banaka, like the real temptation is not to do the Dumb and Dumber joke where I'm spraying it like out away from my mouth <laughs> <laughs> like this has to be a show showcase Padaka. this is not it's not for fooling around uh nice uh tom what's your second one uh my second one's gonna be joe's shirt i really like that that bowling shirt with the the stripe um it I don't know why, but it made me think of Speed Racer for some reason. Color-wise, it is it is basically the same color palette as Speed Racer's outfit. So th- I think that's why I thought that. But like, I, I thought like it looks like Speed Racer's pit crew. So I don't know. <laughs> but I really like that shirt. All right, fair enough. That was it. Made my list. I considered it a gas station attendant shirt. Wasn't that a big thing in the '90s to like dress like a gas station attendant? Or did I make that up? It's like it's not know. quite a bowling shirt. It's not quite a work yeah. shirt. It's somewhere in between. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> something like that. The style. Yeah, with the and it's got to say Joe on it, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your second one, Thad? Uh, mine is going to be boring. Mine's going to be one of the cigars they're smoking. At the end, they have they're all smoking cigars together. Obviously, you know, there's there's the hint that maybe there's an actual fire that gets started. Um, you know, but but yeah, and the cigars. You know, maybe I get two: one to smoke and one to one again to display. Okay. <laughs> to to use before the banaka, and then after I smoke, I use the banaka. Like, <laughs> to get I'm rid just, of the smoke. I'm working in teams. Of course, here. of course. <laughs> um, that's really funny because man, I neither of you guys picked either of my top two, so that's kind of interesting to me. But we'll get into that in part B. Um, and that comes out a tie. Eight and eight. Okay. Now we're going into MVP and runner-up. And, okay, so let's see. Um, Thad, who's your MVP? Uh, my MVP is actually Lisa. And Tom, who's your MVP? Dave. Dave. Okay. So we got different MVPs, so we're going to go with that. All right. Thad, tell me why is Lisa the MVP? Uh, I think outside of maybe Bill performing, she she actually has the most fun in the episode. 
And by that, I mean, it's like she has the most to do as a character and she gets to show the most. Uh, you know, so she really gets to get that banter going back and forth with Dave. She comes in, has the banter with everybody at the table, then goes in the office, has the banter with Dave, gets to kind of be the jealous person and, you know, pulls the, the surprise behind the door, get that going. Then she's the one that kind of initiates the idea of them maybe getting back together. And then she's actually kind of driving again for them to to find some more time at the end. Of the <laughs> you know, so unsafe and an engineer needs to be called. Um, so I, I really thought that Lisa, first of all, I thought that she drove the episode, like her storyline was the most interesting. And I thought she got, had a lot to do as a character. Uh, and it was a lot of fun watching her do what she did. Good answer. I buy it. All right, Tom, why is Dave the MVP? Well, while, while Lisa does have a lot to do in that episode, Dave, I think has the most to do because Lisa's, uh, entire arc in that episode is, is driven towards Dave. Whereas Dave is intersecting almost all the the arcs in the episode, uh, he's he's got to deal with Jimmy, he's got to deal with Lisa, he's got to deal with Joe, um, he has to deal with Bill. Uh, so and his reactions to all those characters is great. Like he reacts to Joe with the in the beginning, and then when Joe comes in to confess, and Jimmy in in the bathroom in the in the office, Lisa the entire the entire arc of Lisa, like kind of running away from her. I, I think he had the most to do. And I think he had the, he was the funniest. He had the best lines. So he did have some really great lines. Okay. Um, I'm scoring that seven, six in favor of Tom. <laughs> A little suspense there. Just for fun. <laughs> um, okay. So, and that brings us to the end of Abs of Fever. We have a score of 45 to 47 in favor of Tom. Actually not a tie for once. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so that was a rousing round of Abs of Fever. And um, let's see. I'm now going to give you the reactions to this episode from the message board at the time that it aired in a segment we like to call the Freakzilla Report. <laughs> Okay, there was a heated debate spanning multiple threads regarding a theory stemming from a specific line in this episode. The line was, you dial, I'll talk, stated by Dave with regard to calling the building engineer. Someone named Walrus7144 said they taped the episode and watched this scene over and over again. That's already smiling. I think he knows where I'm going with this. They are adamant that what Dave actually said was, you dial, I'll fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he cites the way Dave's lips move and the big audience reaction as his evidence. The theory is that Dave dropped an F-bomb for the live studio audience and then they dubbed his line for production and people were fiercely divided in the comments. Thoughts? Do you think... Do you think does that sound like our Dave Foley? Yes. <laughs> At that time? Yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. does. Yeah. We're, we're in on this conspiracy. Give us the hats. I, I watch it over and over again, and I can't hear anything else now. I don't know if it's just one of those <laughs> things that now it's in my brain that that's what I think. But, um, yeah, that's what it sounds like to me now. <laughs> I don't even think they dubbed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our good friend Tavy came to the forum to ask if the fire storyline reminded anyone else of a kids in the hall sketch where business people go on with their work like normal while there's a fire in the office. I'm not familiar with the sketch, but she quoted the line, this is an office, not a giant toaster for cowards, which is funny with or without context. Um, <laughs> someone named Barbara agreed that it felt very similar and that Comedy Central had just aired the Kids in the Hall episode, including that sketch the previous night. So nice little uh, synchronicity in the universe. Any Either of you ever see that sketch? No. Okay. Just checking. All right. In September of 2002, someone named Eeyore48 had just seen this episode in reruns and was inspired by the Ruth's name is in the Bible bit to question where all the characters' names came from. Someone named Bill Walsh quoted an unsighted interview with Paul Sims about the character names, and I was unable to find the original article, but I found enough separate sources that contain the same quotes that I think it was probably legit. So I like to read those to you now okay all right series creator paul sims gave the following reasons for the character names 
Dave Nelson. I named this character Dave because I wrote it with no one else but Dave Foley in mind. Nelson is my mother's maiden name. It wasn't until after we'd shot the pilot that someone, many people in fact, pointed out that Dave Nelson was the name of a character on Ozzy and Harriet or something. <laughs> I looked it up and yes, that was the name of someone on Ozzy and Harriet. <laughs> okay. Bill McNeil. Like Dave, I wrote the part for Phil Hartman. I wanted something similar but not identical to Phil. McNeil is just something we came up with the first time we realized he needed a last name. And no two writers <laughs> on the show spell it the same. <laughs> <laughs> so however you spell it is correct. <laughs> Very good. Lisa Miller. I just like the name Lisa. That was the whole explanation. <laughs> Here's your plain donut. Yeah, a lot of them in the 90s, so they're all good. <laughs> Jimmy James was named after the first song on a Beastie Boys album. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Beth was named after the Kiss song. She has no last name, or at least that's what she tells people. So we still don't know <laughs> if she actually does have a last name. He does not confirm. Uh, Catherine Duke, we wanted something regal sounding. And there's a there's a shooting draft out there that I've seen. I think it's on uh, WNYXNewsRadio.com in the script archive, um, where at at least in some version her last name was Scott. It was going to be Catherine Scott. That's hmm. the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I guess someone thought Duke sounded more regal. All right. Matthew Brock, this part, like Dave's and Bill's, was written for Andy Dick. I think my only reasoning with this name was that he seemed like the kind of guy who would insist on being called Matthew and not Matt, much as he often calls Dave David on the show. Hmm. Could have gone with Andrew, and he refuses to be called Andy, but he's such a Matthew. I don't know. I can't imagine yeah, it any right other there. way. <laughs> to All the right. dismay of Matthews everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last but not least, Joe Gorelli. Before we cast Joe Rogan, the character was called Rick, which was loosely based on Drake, which was the name of a writer I worked with on Larry Sanders and who now works here at News Radio. I think after we cast Rogan, he was Ted for a day or two of rehearsal, and then we just decided Joe was easier. <laughs> I like to picture that they, the characters kept calling him Ted and him just like not responding and not saying his line and then being like, Joe, <laughs> and him being like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm Ted. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tough, tough beat for Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been the Freakzilla Report. Right now... Going into the second and final round, Tom is leading Thad 47 to 45. Round two is a little more social, and we call it the Marty Party. It's going to be our versions of buy or sell and would you rather. And remember, a good Marty Party does not an absent make, except sometimes it does. It's still anyone's game, so here we go. Round two, the Marty Party. In this game, contestants will get a statement and have to explain why they either buy it as the real deal or sell it as the McNeil perspective. First up is going to be Tom. And the first statement is, Catherine's best slap came in this episode. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Catherine's best slap came in this episode? I believe it is the McNeil perspective. Well... She does have a couple good slaps in this episode. That the best, and I think the uh, definitive slap comes in the following episode, uh, at least in the airing order. Uh, President, when she slaps Matthew with his mustache, that I think is the best slap. So, while while good while good slaps are in this episode, it takes a backseat. <laughs> Can't say I disagree. Bad. How is this the real deal? As an impartial judge, I'm not supposed to share. You're supposed to say that. But I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so so I think there's two options here, and I, I know that it may be. Uh, all right, I'm gonna give you two options. One, she gets to slap her boss, 
She gets to rightly slap her boss. It's a solid slap. It's not, you know, again, it's not a teeth rattler, but it's a it's a solid slap. And she gets to slap her boss. And she was right. He doesn't even react, just kind of moves on. There you go. So for anybody that ever thought about slapping their boss, I think that automatically has to be number one. Uh, and then all I have to say is the second slap at the meeting is very, very close to the, the slap of the president. She gets a lot of solid contact. All right. And she actually gets to react afterwards, which is actually one of my favorite parts of, of the slap of any of the slaps. Uh, it was so a great I, reaction. I think the I think the statement is her best slap comes in this episode. I think you have two slaps. Never mind the third slap in the booth. I think you have two slaps you can really choose from uh, that hold up as well, if not better than the slap in the next episode and president. Well, that first slap is the most utilitarian of all the slaps because it knocked the popcorn loose. <laughs> Which is what makes the bit funny. You know, like that's, yeah. that's the, yeah, the line exactly. isn't actually funny about preventive medicine. You know, like right. it's delivered well and everything, but it's not really funny. But him like being like, oh, okay. Like that's what actually so <laughs> It's again, Phil Hartman is just, it's great. I agree. Um, and this is funny because I got to say, if I were answering the question, I think I would have given Tom's answer, but I'm giving the points to Thad because you, you talked your way into it. So I'm giving you, I'm giving you seven points here and Tom's getting five. Okay. Next statement. Dave did the right thing by not firing Joe for starting the fire. This one's going to be to Thad. Tell me, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? Dave did the right thing by not firing Joe for starting the fire. So I'm going to, I'm going to call this the real deal, right? Um, even though Joe is responsible for God knows how many accidents or how many incidents at the station. Uh, I think number one, you get a guy that gets along well with the staff, which is anybody who's worked in, in a position with maintenance or IT. Uh, you, you always have a very difficult, you, you can have a difficult experience uh, and that makes your job a lot harder. So you got a guy that is instantly available. As a matter of fact, he seems to be hanging out all the time. Uh, and he's also capable of doing all these things that nobody else can. Uh, like he's inventing things and he is coming up with solutions on the fly using his homemade duct tape. Uh, so even though Joe is responsible for damage and uh, you know getting <laughs> municipalities involved, uh, I, I still think he did the right thing by not firing Joe because his overall value is more than these incidents. Okay, good argument. All right, Tom, why is this the McNeil perspective? Uh, this is the McNeil perspective because Joe should have been fired for starting a fire in the building that caused damage on the third floor uh eventually like investigators are going to find out and i'm sure that the station is going to have to pay some sort of fine you would one would imagine if although i mean jimmy does have a guy at city hall so okay maybe not but still he, he joe's joe's utility to the station uh is kind of summed up by what bill says he's like i'm not asking you to or he's talking about alexander graham bell wasn't trying to invent something that was easily available at any hardware store <laughs> which is what which is what all of what Joe's inventions are those are he he makes things that are already available so <laughs> he should have been fired <laughs> all right um, no one brought up the fact that Joe is in a union so you probably couldn't fire him anyway but that being beside the point, um, I'm scoring that one four to three for Thad. Come back. <laughs> Feel it. Okay. Next statement. Dave was more wrong for pranking Matthew about the bathroom than Bill was for trying to lead a group down the stairs against orders. This one's going to be to Tom first. So you're going to have to tell me, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? Dave was more wrong for pranking Matthew about the bathroom than Bill was for trying to lead a group down the stairs against orders. I'm going to say this is the real deal. Um, Bill was, you know, had a, had a flight response to an external stimulus that was beyond his control. And despite hearing, you know, sensible, he felt like the need to run. So he was doing what he thought best, um, not necessarily just trying to go against Dave's uh, judgment. Uh, you know, it was, it, it seemed more of a, um, 
an internal struggle for him. Whereas Dave was really just trying to be mean to Matthew because Matthew was being annoying. So that's why it's the real deal. All good points. All right, Thad, tell me why this is the McNeil perspective. Uh, this is the McNeil perspective. Uh, Bill was more wrong for trying to lead the group downstairs and for pranking than Dave was for pranking Matthew. Um, basically, <laughs> Bill Bill had four people with him. That's really what it comes down to. It's like he was not individually irresponsible. He actually was going to lead a whole group directly into the teeth of a, of a fire, uh, which was strong enough to cover his face in soot. Uh, leading us to a eh, questionable joke there with the Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I like the accent and love the joke, uh, but I love the fact that he made a joke. Um, but yeah, I think because Bill put more people at danger, I think he was actually more wrong than Dave was for, for the Matthew bit. All right. Good argument. Um, I'm going to score that one 5-4 in favor of Tom. And that brings us to the last statement in our Real Deal McNeil. So the final statement is, it was fair for Beth's mother to ask if Beth set the fire, assuming that Beth had called her for reassurance in similar situations in the past. So that is going to be up first to tell me if it's the Real Deal or the McNeil perspective that it was fair for Beth's mother to ask if Beth set the fire, assuming that Beth had called her for reassurance in similar situations in the past. This is going to be the real deal. Um, the fact that Beth calls her mother at this time uh, says that her mother's important. I think there's a, a pretty good chance, again, that she's called her for reassurance in the past. Uh, I have to imagine that Beth was a, a hellion <laughs> as a younger younger woman and therefore half of the times at least half the time that she called uh she was probably responsible for whatever it had happened and therefore this question now is not out of place it's not uh it's not out of bounds it's definitely very fair just kind of like wait a minute did you do this all right now let's get that out of the way uh so beth probably overreacts i think to her mother asking a fair question it's the real deal all right i buy that all right tom why is it the McNeil perspective. Uh, this is certainly the McNeil perspective because even if Beth had called her in other emergencies, there's no reason to think that Beth was the cause of those other emergencies. Uh, this this is a wild assumption on the part of my opponent, um, casting aspersions upon the character of what is an otherwise <laughs> lovely person. So that's. Ah. Uh. I love that. Throwing Thad under the bus there. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure Beth is an honor roll student. <laughs> Just turning around. <laughs> and Grades have nothing to do with person's character. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give that one to Thad. Scoring at five to four. Which brings us to a score of 65 to 64 in favor of Thaddeus going into our last game. Let's our... go. <laughs> so, <laughs> our final game of the show is a game we like to call Have an Adequate Day. It's a would-you-rather game based on ideas related to the episode. The contestants will be presented with four choices and one bonus consequence. We'll have a short discussion about each choice, then both the contestants and the host will draft our answers, and whoever's day sucks the least wins the game and is awarded six points. So, here we go. First choice up in our adequate day. Would you rather accidentally set a fire at work by being careless or have your date break up with you by having security escort you from the building and up first let's hear from tom uh i would rather have my date break up with me and send security to escort me from the building because in the other instance i you would have had to put other people in jeopardy so I think like this is, yeah, it's bad, but at least like I'm not harming some someone else. 
Okay. <laughs> what do you think, Pat? I, well, I'm actually going to go with Tom's answer, but his he actually has a lot uh, better reasoning than I do. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if I get caught, I'm probably going to be financially responsible. And Tom's like, oh, yeah, people could get hurt. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, 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 that's <laughs> um, I mean, assuming that I got caught, assuming that I, you know, that I didn't pull a Milton from off his face and somehow managed to, to get away with it. Um, you know, there is the, the possibility of having some sort of, you know, financial responsibility for restitution. So I am going to go with having the, the date break update by sending security. Um, even though I don't like it, I think that's the, the least of the two evils. Yeah, I'm with you guys for both reasons. I think I my brain went first to like, yeah, let's not like kill people in a building fire. That would probably be bad. <laughs> um, I don't know. At the same time, if there's building fire, you don't probably don't have to go to work the next day. So I don't know. But no, I think it's <laughs> I think it's number two. Have your date break up with you by having security escort you from the building. I mean, I think that tells you it wasn't meant to be, right? <laughs> right. It's not so bad. Yeah. All right. Choice number two. Would you rather have your boss corner you two times a day to talk about his or her sex life or have your boss tell you they don't care about your point in front of everyone at the staff meeting. Thad, what do you think? Well, I'm going to go with the first choice of having the boss corner me two times a day to talk about the sex life. Really? I, I think, but I think it's because I feel like I would put that into a Twitter or that would give me stories to tell other people. Like it would be <laughs> one of those things. It's like, all right, friends gather around. I've got another story about the boss. You know, you'll never <laughs> guess what you did this week. Um, so, <laughs> I think avoiding avoiding any kind of public, uh, you know, just kind of being distant public there, and also getting some interesting stories uh, would be worth it. But again, I, I've, I've worked with some people who have told me stories of working with some very unattractive people who talked very, very uh, <laughs> expressly about their sexual activities, and it was not from the picture, not at all. <laughs> So. Well, thanks for helping us picture it. Uh, Tom, what do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the second. Uh, have a, have the boss tell me he doesn't care about my point in front of everyone. That's fine. I can live with that. Uh, but my boss is my 82-year-old uncle, so I definitely don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, you... let me tell you about sex in the silent movie days, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> We called them the pictures back then. <laughs> uh, I think I'm with Tom on this one. Um, I just feel like someone says that they don't care about your opinion in front of everyone at a staff meeting. As demonstrated in this episode, who pays attention to the staff meeting, right? So, like, probably nobody even heard it. And if they did, they forgot it two seconds later. It could have been an email. It, exactly. It always could have been an email. Um, I don't think I could ever forget the things that my boss told me about his or her sex life, though. I, I can't, I, I can't delete that from my brain, so. Mm, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be saying that that's about not caring about your point, but under my breath at like every meeting, every time you spoke, <laughs> I'd be like, but I still don't care. <laughs> so you're never letting it go that's what no oh yeah no are you kidding me are you kidding me you know how great it'd be like think about your job think about like one of your first jobs even with somebody if the boss would just shut somebody down like that you'd be like Pfft. like oh here we go so i see your point but i don't know <laughs> all right choice number three would you rather work with a jealous ex who keeps asking about your dating life or reconnect with someone knowing there was a good reason for a split but be unable to remember what that reason was and who are we on tom i think we're on tom yeah um neither of these are great but uh i would i guess i would take work with a jealous ex who keeps asking about your dating life um because i, I mean i guess it's like all right, well, at least somebody's still into me. That's cool. Um, versus, like, the reconnecting with somebody and not knowing why you split up. That's like, do I have amnesia for this particular person? Like, what's wrong with my memory? Am I, do I need to get checked out? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> All right. I can see that. All right, Thad, 
what do you think uh, i actually agree i think the anxiety of not <laughs> knowing like thinking there's a problem like knowing that there's definitely a problem but not being able to figure it out or anything like that i think that would drive me crazier uh than having somebody who continually was, was asking about it's that girl from accounting isn't it like, <laughs> I, I think i would have more fun like dave the same way dave that i think i'd have more fun with that than the anxiety of being like, what is it about that girl like why why did i like what, there was a reason what was it so i'm a time on this one. Oh man i'm going the other way i think i'd rather you know be with someone knowing there was a good reason that we split up before because i feel like it's going to come to me eventually. And then if it's really that bad, we just split up again. And that's the end of it. Working with a jealous ex. I mean, that is, that's the whole reason people have so many rules against dating people they work with. It's not that you don't want to date your coworker. It's that you don't want to be coworkers after you break up. Like that's yeah. the problem, right? <laughs> but that's, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Also, you pointed out that men are monsters, so it's much <laughs> right, different yeah. you than us. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's very, very fair. I support that statement. <laughs> All right. Statement number four. Would you rather have everyone at work know you're hooking up with the boss or be told the building you're in is on fire, hear about it on the news, and have to sit tight for now? What do you think, Dad? Man, that is that is actually looks like an anxiety sandwich, no matter which way you go with it. Um, I man, I'm gonna go with the first one more, I think, because then I know that I'm physically not in danger. You know, like like the anxiety of waiting to find out if the building is, is going to get worse or like if I've got to jump out a window, like I'm not great with heights either. So I'm not really looking at that mat down those stories, you know, aim for the bushes. No, nah, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I think is as awkward as it would be because I again I, I don't know maybe I just work with people that made a lot of jokes. Uh, I, as much as I'd have to put up with, with this and that about hooking up with the boss, like I'm assuming that it's going okay and my life is not in immediate danger. Which depending on the boss, maybe that's a little bit of a d- dynamic. Uh, but I'm gonna go with the first one. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take everybody knowing that I'm hooking up at, at work with the boss. All right. All right, Tom. What do you think? And I'll I'll take this as like a generic boss, not my eighty-two-year-old uncle. Uh, but <laughs> okay. I'll also go with for for the reasons that that outlined. <laughs> I'll go with number one uh, because yeah, you're not in in danger. So you kind of got boxed into a corner there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with you guys on this one. Yeah, is the is the fear of physical danger that's the problem with the second choice? depending on the boss and the dynamics having everyone know you're hooking up with the boss might actually give you an advantage at work like nobody everybody knows like you're untouchable now you know i don't know possibly or it could just be relentless teasing i don't know a little bit of column a a little bit of column b (laughs) all right and our bonus consequence for this episode is have a piece of popcorn kernel stuck in your teeth for 24 hours. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yes. No or in this situation, just an unfortunate thing that we have to consider. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to have a quick draft. And when we come back, I will discuss how everyone's day went and we'll find out who had the most adequate day. We are back. We have drafted our choices from the Have an Adequate Day round. And here are our days that are going to go down. So I am going to have my boss tell me they don't care about my point in front of everyone at the staff meeting. Then I'm going to reconnect with someone knowing there was a good reason for a split, but be unable to remember what that reason was. And then I'm going to be told the building I'm in is on fire hear about it on the news and have to sit tight for now turns out you broke up that person because they were an arsonist (laughs) (laughs) that's why i broke up with them that's what that symbol means firebug (laughs) that's what the symbol means yeah all right meanwhile tom is gonna have a piece of popcorn kernel stuck in his teeth for 24 hours have everyone at work know he's hooking up with the boss, who is also his 82-year-old uncle. 
and then said boss slash uncle is going to corner him two times a day to talk about his sex life. <laughs> well, well, apparently our sex life. <laughs> I think that's actually worse when you combine all of them. Like, you have to do it, and then you have to talk about it all day? <laughs> Man. Well, that's, a, that's a lot. That's rough. Okay. Uh, well, and there's is. the videotapes, you know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Destroy the evidence. <laughs> we got to create content somehow. <laughs> Not on this channel, we don't. <laughs> All right. Thaddeus is going to have his date break up with him by having security escort him from the building. Full start. Then he's going to work with a jealous ex who keeps asking about their dating life, his dating life. And then he's going to accidentally set a fire at work by being careless. And we're going to call that accidentally. <laughs> after, I don't know, after the breakup and the, and the jealous ex, maybe it wasn't so accidental. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst. All right. Well, I am going to say that in this case, it was a very close call, but... Uh, Thaddeus had the least terrible day. It was the most adequate. <laughs> and so he's going to take the points for this round. And that brings him to the winner with 71 points. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. As the winner, do you have any final thoughts for us? Uh, no, I, I'm hoping that my championship belt comes in any day now, so I'll be able to waste <laughs> it proudly on whatever social media we decide to, to post pictures on. And, um, you know, I look forward to continuing to notch victories in this Harlem Globetrotter-esque <laughs> performance on this podcast. Very good way to describe it. <laughs> Well, with that final thought, we hope you'll join us for a more informal discussion about the episode in Part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your Hoodoo need. Good night, Pumpkin. Go to Fuko to you too. Pantyhose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your Hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoodoo underscore Factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever. <laughs>